Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I think most of you would probably agree that this is kind of one of the absolute best times of the year to be a sports fan that we've got NCAA tournament going on and even though I probably don't follow college basketball quite as closely as I used to this is still a great event and I'd love for Georgia to be back a part of it on the men's side again at some point in time in the future but even if Georgia's not there there is just something about March Madness that delivers each and every year yesterday's an example of that we're also at that time of year we're kind of post players heading towards the uh, masters really fun time of year to be a golf fan uh you've got major league baseball the start of that right around the corner where a lot of us are braves fans and that's always a lot of fun to think about there as well as the weather starts to warm up and hopefully we'll get there and stay there here at, at some point in time but as the weather starts to warm up it is just a great time of year to be a sports fan most of us kind of agree with that most sports fans kind of agree with that statement But for the audience of this show and me as the host of this show, there's also an element of which, hey, when you're making a list of the things that make this sporting time of year great, there's a lot of college football that's a part of that there as well. Maybe the kind of average mainstream person living some other part of the country, they may not quite realize that. But we also love this time of year for spring practice, getting those updates. We're going to do some of that on our show here coming up in just a couple of moments, what we're learning thus far from a couple of practices so far in Georgia spring. We like that about this time of year. And we also like the fact that the warm weather season, spring turning into summer, has also become about the hottest time of the year, no pun intended, for recruiting classes that that you know the month of june ends up being your kind of prime time for official visits in a way that in a previous iteration of the recruiting calendar probably would have happened much later than that now a lot of that action is in the month of june and laying the groundwork for those official visits and eventual commitments and big decisions is a lot of the action that goes on right now including this upcoming weekend here for georgia the weekend that is upon us now when jeff Sintel joins us for his weekly conversation with us coming up in a few minutes we're to talk more about this but i want to lay some of the groundwork for that conversation with all of you right now by reminding you that this weekend five-star quarterback dylan riola is going to be taking a visit to george and we have reason to believe even though there's been some online chatter as of late connecting riola usc and obviously there's the deep family connection that would connect riola to nebraska the former ohio state commit i think is also rightly so i believe viewed to be heavily considering georgia too and despite the kind of obvious connections to to usc and 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 nebraska i think there are a lot of smart folks who would say that and this is to be frank a little bit of a surprise to me when when riola decommitted from ohio state i don't know how serious i kind of took georgia's chance of getting back involved with him i was sort of led to believe that when riola chose the ohio state the first time that the georgia bridge may have been burned there at that particular time but it seems like mike bobo in this case has actually done a really good job of holding on to maintaining that relationship so as riola takes this visit to georgia this weekend the sense that you get is is this is far more than just a sightseeing opportunity this is far more than just some sort of tourist uh you know it's not a vacation necessarily for riola he is coming to uga to truly kick the tires and imagining himself as potentially being a part of this program and continuing the legacy that's been created here by back-to-back national championships riola is taking the opportunity to be a part of all this uh seemingly pretty seriously we have some evidence that proves that nye Carr is a very impressive georgia wide receiver commit from down in cockwood county uh this is one of those sort 
sort of big time in-state names to know here for this recruiting cycle in the case of Georgia thankfully already in the mix as a part of this 2024 class and also already doing some recruiting on behalf of his future school in fact here's what he put out on Twitter the other day you know with all the talk about you know uh Riola potentially going to USC or the Nebraska folks who feel like that family tie and I guess maybe their own uh, ability to you know conjure up some nil cash that might eventually went out for dylan what nicar says is i'm just gonna let them figure things out but we're locked in he calls it la familia basically meaning family <laughs> i'm not very bilingual but even i know what la familia is uh family uh nicar says with uh dylan riola apparently the uh, photo here is from like a facetime chat uh that Carr was doing with riola if you look up there at the top right hand corner of the uh, screen you can see the other you know side of that conversation so Carr and riola having that discussion together uh it's certainly if you want to kind of start sort of trying to figure out and you know piece together all the details here you'd say you know the kind of thing that a quarterback who was strongly considering a school would do is have those sort of FaceTime conversations, those sort of regular discussions with guys like Nikar, who are wide receivers that he would be throwing to if he went to a place like UGA. So my point here in starting off today's show is to tell you, as you look ahead to the Dylan Riola visit to Georgia this weekend, take it seriously as a real chance for Georgia in person for the first time in a little while here. Was it? I think Jeff has told us this, that the last time that, that Riola visited in person was the Kentucky game in 2021, so it's been a little while here. I may have my facts slightly off on that, but I believe I'm right. Kentucky game 2021, the last in-person visit for uh, Riola to George, I believe that's the case. So obviously this becomes a pretty important visit, and it's a visit that the Riola camp seems to be taking pretty seriously. Their chance to see what George is all about, and obviously getting more acquainted with some of those George commits, a part of Riola's process on this there as well. Now, before we hear more from Jeff on what could go down with Dylan here this weekend, setting the stage for what might be an official visit right there at the beginning of June. Let's go back and hear Dylan in his own words from a few weeks ago. Jeff was out in Arizona. That's the home state for Riola talking about the recruiting process, talking about how Dylan wants a second chance after realizing that Ohio State's not the right place for him. And at least we can say this, he's he's certainly pretty smart if he's rejecting the Buckeyes because we like the idea of rejecting Ohio State around here these days. But nonetheless, Dylan Riola with Jeff Sintel on his recruiting process where things stood a few weeks ago, setting the stage for some new information to be gained by being in Athens this weekend. Here is the five-star quarterback. I think just the relationships and, uh, you know, just really seeing every every school and what they have to offer. Um, and, you know, for me, really coming down to relationships. Um, you know, you can show you can show winning, you can show scheme, but, you know, you, you can't you can't fake, you know, being who you are and who you are all the time. So just really, really getting to know the coaches at each school that I'm looking at and um, really just just trusting, trusting my family. How much will your first commitment experience shape your next one? I think that's big. Uh, you know, I'm lucky I get a second chance at it. Um, and, you know, I just really just want to be patient and really see what every school has to offer um, and, and just, you know, make the best decision for me. Georgia is obviously one of the schools you've mm. thought about for some time. They were your first offer. Yep. How do you feel about them right now? Like, what, what has them in the mix? Yeah, I think you got to start with the leader, Coach Smart. Um, what he does for, for his program, for his players, the development he has, um, he, he, it's really just you, you, can't, you can't beat what he does. So listen, I, th- I think that obviously it's easy to want to gravitate towards the end of that conversation, and we'll get there, obviously, what Dylan said about Georgia, but it's the first part of that that always kind of sticks out to me because I, I think that, that Dylan Riola is an example of something 
that probably exists with a lot of different recruits where I think the process of taking visits and the process of making evaluations with the right school for you is actually probably a little bit more difficult than we realize. Because, you know, put yourself in this position for a moment. If you're Dylan, you're only visiting places like Georgia or Ohio State or USC. These are big time college football programs. And if you're a big time quarterback visiting a big time program, you don't think that uh, program is capable of putting on a really good face and making everything look really shiny and polished every single time you walk on that campus. That's what these programs do. And when everybody's kind of doing that kind of thing, it's almost like, you know, everybody's on their best behavior on the first day. You know, when, when when every program that you visit is making this really effective recruiting pitch and it becomes its own kind of uh, advertisement, I would imagine it's kind of hard to separate fact from fiction and say, okay, what is the real truth here? Because everything looks good on the basis of a short-term visit, but what's going to still look good over the course of the long haul? And a guy like Dylan's now been engaged in his recruiting process a little bit, and you can kind of gauge from that that it seems like he's getting a little bit more seasoned in terms of making the evaluation of what's truly right for him. And these are all big-time programs, and USC wins with plenty of quarterbacks. Even Nebraska, I think, moving forward, Matt Rule is going to probably be a little bit more of a player on the recruiting trail than it's been in the past. Clearly, Georgia's won its share of recruiting battles. But it seems like is getting a little bit more comfortable with his ability to make the right choice for him which i think is kind of an interesting process to watch evolve and obviously he said some really good things about georgia there in particular kirby smart and the uh, role that that he's done there it seems like Raiola and jeff's told this before and you can kind of get a little bit of a whiff of this from the uh, comments that he makes it seems like he's attracted to winning and there's no doubt that if you want to be a winner it's a place like Georgia you have to go. USC may win the Pac-12, but winning the Pac-12 is still a far cry from actually competing for a national championship. We've got lots of examples of that. You know, Nebraska, maybe they build themselves up into something better than they've been with Matt Rule, but they would have to build and build and build and build to even be competitive in the Big Ten. And being competitive in the Big Ten is not exactly being on the same plane as Georgia. We've seen that from the uh, last couple of uh, college ball playoffs. Georgia's certainly done very well against uh, top teams from the uh, Big Ten. That if winning matters to you, there's really only one place to go to do some real winning, and that is a place like Georgia. How much will that matter to Riola? We're about to find out. He's on campus this weekend. Georgia gets its chance to impress, maybe laying some groundworks and planting some seeds for an official visit that takes place later on this summer. But if you're a Georgia football fan, if you're a college football fan, one of the parts of the great sports calendar that we are in the midst of right now is the excitement of the recruiting cycle starting to pick up. Visitors on campus, more decisions coming, and a chance for Georgia under Kirby Smart to put together as good a recruiting class as the program has ever had. And certainly everybody in Athens would love for Dylan Riola to be the centerpiece of all of that. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are presented today by Kroger. And we're glad to have you with us. No matter how you get to us today, 945, first and 15, dognation.com, dognation app, 10 a.m. after that across all video platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, we're on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, and we're available as a podcast wherever you find them, Apple, Spotify, worldfamousdognation.com, uh, all kinds of ways to connect with the show. We're just really, really happy that you do that. And a huge thanks to our friends at Kroger for making it all possible. Listen, we love so much about Kroger and one of the things that I love about them are the creative ways in which they kind of use like new technology and things like that to make your shopping experience more convenient, but also save you more money there as well. In fact, you've probably heard me talk before, but that membership program they have called Kroger Boost. Well, now you get a chance to try Boost for free for 30 days. And 
when you do you can find out how you can save up to a thousand dollars a year just by earning twice the fuel points by shopping there at kroger and also taking advantage of free grocery uh, delivery there as well here's what kroger understands that <laughs> the one thing we all have in common is now listen we're all different we got different backgrounds we live in different parts of the state different parts of the world we got different outlooks on life whatever but here's the one thing everybody's got in common you don't have enough time you don't have enough money and so kroger's gonna try to save you time and money as it relates to kroger boost free grocery delivery that's convenient twice the fuel points that's putting more money in your back in your pocket you love the idea of that and you can try it for free for 30 days so go to kroger.com boost for more on that that's kroger.com boost for a lot more on that so we talk recruiting off the top we'll do more of that with jeff Sintel coming up in just a moment his thoughts on the riola visit what that sets the stage for for the next few weeks including a return trip possibly for an official visit there in june and the uh, kinds of players that could be drawn to georgia because of riola that is really good as well but before all of that let's go around the doghouse here for a moment and let's talk about spring practice a couple of practices in the books uh, we had some good stuff from uh, Connor Riley at DogNation.com, his eyewitness account of what he saw at UGA practice. We'll give you more of that in a moment, but how about Kirby Smart's own feeling about this? What he saw from his first practice, kind of the mood around the team as they get back to work and kind of try to cast their own identity here for this 2023 version of the Georgia Bulldogs, the one that hopes to go for three in 23, which we'll talk more about as we get closer to that. Smart from Pro Day the other day on how he feels about that very first practice of the Georgia Bulldogs. This is Kirby early evaluation of spring. I'm excited about it. We had really good energy, enthusiasm, a little windy, so there wasn't like, you know, uh, we probably didn't have the kind of day you'd like to have in terms of passing the football, but with 25-mile-an-hour gusts, that probably had a big part of that, and uh, I expect those guys to bounce back on that side. We didn't have pads on, so it's hard to evaluate that, but I did enjoy the, the energy and enthusiasm the guys had competing against each other. The cool thing is if you go to dognation.com, uh, Connor's got a pretty detailed practice report up looking at the quarterbacks. I'd say that most of what he wrote is about what you'd expect. Uh, you know, typical, um, uh, you know, kind of typical order. Beck was going first. Vandergriff was going second. Stockton was going third. No surprise there. Mike Bobo right in the middle of all that. No surprise there. The other thing I noticed, if you go to the dognation.com uh, story where the practice report is, of course, all of this is completely free, of course, at dognation.com. But there's also like a gallery. I have no idea how we do this, but th there's um, like a gallery you can kind of scroll through at the top. And like, I think it's like 15 or so pictures of practice yesterday. You know, you don't care about media stuff, but typically speaking, when media is allowed to view practice, they are oftentimes, most of the time, not allowed to take photographs. Now, you'll never take video <laughs> again. Uh, but, uh, but when it comes to like photos, yesterday, photographs were also allowed too. So, you know what that means for you is if you go to dognation.com you can see some fresh practice photographs it's like a little thing that right at the top of the page the practice report you can sort of scroll through there and see all of those photographs you can kind of see some of the images of your own self of what practice uh looked like yesterday but there was one aspect of what connor noticed at practice that i wanted to pull out here just for a moment and make a little bit of a bigger deal about and i want to go back in time to something we talked about a couple of weeks ago as a setup for all of this i talked about what mel kuyper the espn draft analyst who i swear has been working at espn for a hundred years he was doing this before i was even you know following football and i guess he'll be doing it for the rest of humanity uh, mel kuyper's been breaking down the nfl draft and the other day he had kind of an interesting evaluation of nolan smith now here's what we know nolan smith based on the way that he's performed at pro day and things like that has almost certainly played his way into the first round and 
if you were Georgia, would you take 11 Nolan Smiths at whatever position you could put them at? Of course you would. Nolan Smith is just one of the top-end guys that's been at Georgia in really any era, but certainly in this back-to-back national championship era. However, there is one thing about Nolan Smith that NFL teams are going to be evaluating, and if you're a Georgia coach, Georgia fan, you kind of also have to think about this for your own program there as well. Let me give you Mel Kuyper here for a moment on Nolan Smith, and it leads into something for this 2023 Georgia team. So what Kuyper says about Nolan Smith is that NFL teams covet edge rushers. It's one of the positions they reach for most because of how important sacking quarterbacks are. Uh, Kuyper says about Smith, he's got all the physical tools. Teams want an outside linebacker, but he had only six and a half sacks over the past two seasons for Georgia and too often got swallowed up by defensive tackles. He has to develop more pass rush moves. That's Mel Kuyper Jr. uh, talking about Nolan Smith. We had talked about this on the show a couple of weeks ago. Now, if Nolan were here, I believe he would say, yeah, that's true. Um, Hey, you know, I'm not the biggest edge rusher. I am battling against big offensive tackles. And yet, you know, I think Nolan would also say, but look at all the other things that I did for my program. And he'd be right to say that. Nolan Smith was clearly a v- extraordinarily almost invaluable player for Georgia, uh, at the least a very valuable player for Georgia, despite not having tons and tons of sacks. But the thing that he will be evaluated on at the NFL level is can a smaller edge rusher type you know, really get to the quarterback, which is something those NFL teams are going to need Nolan Smith to do. And moving forward to Georgia, there is a similar kind of evaluation going on. As I mentioned a moment ago, if you could have 11 Nolans, of course you'd want that and you'd play him at whatever position you could just because of the physical and spiritual characteristics that he, you know, brings onto the football team. But if you want to really get after quarterbacks, then maybe being just a little bit bigger would be better. That ability to kind of shed those blockers, that ability to kind of get past that offensive tackle using a long frame to be able to do that. And it's interesting to note, after Georgia has been led by an outside linebacker, an edge rusher as we call him now, that was not necessarily big for his position, it seems like around Georgia that might be starting to change just a little bit. One particular blurb from Connor's practice report at dognation.com yesterday really jumped out at me. I want to read this to you. When it comes to the outside linebacker position, Connor says, speaking of those outside linebackers, while the group is young, it is noticeably bigger and longer. Now, isn't that interesting? Georgia getting bigger and longer at the outside linebacker spot. You got Gabe Harris, who had a little bit of a dust up yesterday with Pierce Sperlin. I heard there was a lot of energy at the Georgia practice yesterday. I'll just leave it that way. I'll just leave it at that. So you got Gabe Harris joined by new arrivals Damon Wilson, Sam and Pemba, who all measuring at six foot four. Now you got Darius Smith, who's also a big guy. Uh, Connor calls CJ Madden bulked up. He says this group certainly looks more physically imposing under Chidera Uzo Deribe's leadership. I like some words there. Do you like physically imposing edge rushers? Do you like noticeably bigger and longer than Georgia's been before? Um, I like all of that, making the edge rush spot, you know, kind of one of the, the the dominant parts of this Georgia defense, which I think by appearances in 2023 could look a lot more like the 2021 defense than maybe the 2022 defense. And I believe that is a really good thing. So that's a pretty good excerpt, a pretty good eyewitness account of what Connor saw from outside linebackers yesterday, which I think is really, really fun for the upcoming season. As far as the group overall, this is also a, a thing we talked to a Jadero Yuzo Deribe back. Uh, we talked to him about this back in Los Angeles, part of the national championship, what he's seen from his group. This is obviously a, uh, 
you know, a, a group in 2022 that was challenged because of the injury to Nolan Smith, that, that they didn't have Nolan on the field late in the season. Some guys had to step up into bigger roles. And I think because of the adversity this position group dealt with, it's the kind of thing that Chidera would say, hey, I actually grew to learn more about my guys uh, because of what I had to see from them over the course of that national championship season. And in L.A., this is what uh, Yuzo Deribe said he had seen from his group over the course of the year. Man, resilient, man. These guys work, you know, regardless of who it is. You know, these guys prepare like like their numbers are going to be called whenever it is. And, you know, unfortunate, but it's been fortunate, you know, when a guy like Nolan goes down, you get to see a guy like Chas Chambliss have to step up and, and, and he shows that, hey, he's ready to play. And then in the games where guys like Marvin, where Beefy has gone down and Marvin Jones has had to step up as well, you get to see that these guys, you know, they, they, they take the preparation serious and it's benefiting them when they step foot on the field. So, man, it's a resilient group for sure. So I think that edge rush is just kind of becoming one of the most obviously one of the most important positions. But it's also kind of like one of the most fun positions to talk about. It's just fun to watch these great athletes uh, get after quarterbacks and wreak havoc and exist in backfields, you know, so much. It was a big part of the big wins that Georgia got this past season. It may even be a bigger part of the story for Georgia here in 2023. Jadera Uzo seems to like what he sees. Connor Riley gave you a pretty favorable eyewitness account watching practice yesterday, at least of the size, the specs this group brings to the table uh and and certainly that has a chance to be a really part a big part of the overall team dna for georgia this season i think that's a kind of a fun thing to consider i love the names i love the the talent they bring to the table i I like their overall measurements and i can't wait to see what they do together on the football field that is around the doghouse here on dog nation daily presented by kroger here today now before we are done there are a lot of big games starting to get some big conversation on the sec to be honest with you some of this we're going to do on monday on our show related to something that espn has said about a georgia showdown later on in the fall against tennessee we're going to do some of that on monday show because i think it actually sets up for a pretty fun conversation but some of the other big games that are getting some discussion we'll talk about those before we're done on today's show but for now as we promised five-star quarterback in town you know we're talking about that but not the only big visitor to uh, consider here so we'll cover a lot of ground here with jeff sintel our dog nation recruiting insider here on dog nation daily presented by kroger from athens and across the sec or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a DogNation.com insider so it's Jeff Sintel here, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Jeff, we talked a lot about Dylan Riola before you joined us. And let me tell you, and this is more as, like a, I guess, a fan maybe than a media-type person, but as a fan, here's the one thing I'm always trying to like get to the bottom of when it comes to big-time recruits. The one we're talking about right now is, of course, Dylan Riola. Georgia, as a program, is of such a stature that almost every elite recruit at least wants to stop by Georgia. Almost every elite recruit at least wants the cachet of being in the mix for Georgia. This is just like that prestigious school, the way that Alabama once would have been, that prestigious school that you kind of validate yourself as a top prospect by having Georgia in your top three, by having Georgia in your top four, that, that you know, Georgia's going to be at least somewhat connected to almost every elite prospect. So when an elite prospect visits, I'm always trying to get to the bottom of, is this real? Is this more than just a sightseeing trip? Is this more than just two big entities, player and program, spending a little bit of time with each other? You know, is there something more to this? And when I see Nikar tweeting out what he's tweeted, I know you put this in your uh, story about Dylan earlier this week at dognation.com. When I hear some of the ancillary chatter, you know, I still don't know if Ryle is coming to Georgia, 
but I'm left to conclude this visit this weekend is a real thing. It is a real you know, fact-finding mission for our Riola and a chance for Georgia to impress a quarterback that is certainly seemingly uh, giving Georgia strong consideration right now. Is, is that your sense of all this, too? Certainly, and uh, good morning to everybody. Um, you know, Brandon, remember when we were little, we used to watch Sesame Street, and I think it was Sesame Street. There was a word of the day. I think you've already used a great one in ancillary. I have a few more. I think the word symmetry, orchestration, uh, and really kind of like, investigation come to mind here with this Ryola visit. Here's what I mean by that. Um, if you look, Brandon, um, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that feel orchestrated. Uh, there's this symmetry here with Ryola's visiting. Wow. But it's also during Georgia's spring practice when it's a day when they'll, they'll have some pads on or you'll get to see a little bit more up close to the Georgia office. Why is that important? Well, Georgia just turned over uh, coordinators and Georgia turned over to a coordinator that the Ryola family has a very good sense of connection to, and that would be Mike Bobo through Matthew Stafford. But here's the thing that's kind of working and building here, Brandon. Probably this is a bigger visit than, hey, I just want to try on some jerseys, get a photo shoot. More than he wants to see Georgia for the first time since October of 2021 when Georgia took down Kentucky. It's really about seeing what Georgia looks like, trying to air Jordan Georgia's on, uh, make sure they still fit and they still feel real nice. Seeing all the new tweets, weight room, bones, the bells and whistles, the locker room, the Lamborghini seats, seeing the trophies that have been added to the trophy case, and there are a lot. Probably Georgia's added probably enough for a new big trophy case since Ryola visited in October of 2021. But here's the symmetry, Brandon. You've got uh, top wide receivers to allure. Here's a good example. Ryan Wingo out of Missouri. He is in town this weekend. Uh, he, I was like, hey, man, I was talking to him earlier this week. I said, hey, man, you know, you picked a good weekend. He's like, that's when Ryan's going to be in town. He's like, oh, man, I know all about that. That's the guy. This is, this is potential targets. This is trying on how Georgia looks. A big test drive, if you want to say, for Georgia and Ryola. And he's, that's not the only one. They got Jaden Riddell, who's the nation's uh, number one tight end, according to um, on3.com. That's another young man out of Missouri. Um, Eli Drinkwitz is probably not going to like this visit list this weekend in Georgia. But you got Nikar, you got Kobe White. You've got a lot of potential targets and weapons there for Raul to look around and then those guys to start thinking, hey, man, how about Georgia? How does this feel? And the other thing, Brandon, just kind of sets the stage for the big visits to come in June. Um, behind the scenes, you see that it's going to be another mega first weekend in June. Um, I tell you, the Smart family will probably never have plans the first weekend in June because that's when they try to cram as many five stars into the House of Pain as possible. You hear rumblings in the background. Jeremiah Smith talking about he wants to come the first weekend in June. He wants to take all of his visits with Dylan Riola. You hear Peyton Woodyard's going to be there, who lists Riola as a potential roommate. Um, you know, you just keep going on. Ellis Robinson, the number one cornerback in the country the highest rated commitment in the class is already supposed to be there you already see some jockeying here for what june's gonna look like yeah i want to get to that more in a moment let me focus in on Ryola in particular here you know the sense that i get is is that if you look at nebraska usc i sort of put them in the same category and i put georgia in kind of category by itself because on the one hand when it comes to this recruitment you know neither nebraska nor usc can come close to matching georgia's penchant for winning 
But the one thing that Nebraska and USC can both offer Riola that Georgia probably doesn't is, I mean, listen, Nebraska will build its entire program around Riola. I mean, he'll be the most important recruit they've gotten in 100 years. Uh, so there's clearly a, you know, a level of, I guess, I guess you know, prestige for, for, for Dylan being you know, that coveted by a program that just has not won these kinds of recruiting battles in a long, long time. In the case of USC, this is a very quarterback-friendly program. Now, listen, Georgia wants to be great at every position, but Georgia is also a program where every position matters. So to me, it sort of seems like, hey, do you want to come to a place where you're going to win and be around other great players? Or you want to go to a program like Nebraska and USC where you may not win quite as much, but they're going to treat you as the most important thing in the world. And, you know, I guess it's a matter of which of those pitches makes the most sense to Riola. Is that, is that an assessment of this? Certainly, Brandon. Let's think in uh, the meme culture, the mem culture right now for this generation. You think of Riola going to Nebraska? I think of that one with Will Smith and the closing credits of Bel Air. When he's looking around the living room and there's no furniture, there's nothing around, there's just emptiness. I think that's the Nebraska fit right for there with Riola. I think with USC, you can insert any of those uh, any of those highlights or lowlights you want to call from their, their last bowl game where they got rocked and they looked pretty terrible doing it, trying to stop people on defense. The key here for Georgia, Brandon, is not just winning. Because everybody's going to assume winning now for Georgia going forward. He would have had winning at Ohio State. I think development is the key factor there. It's like him looking around every day and knowing that those guys on the other side of the ball – there's probably 10 to 12 NFL first or second round draft picks on the other side of the ball. That's going to make him better. That's going to make the game easier. That's going to cultivate his skill set where, you know, maybe the last year or so of his high school career, he hasn't really been developed the way the nation's number one quarterback in the country probably should be uh, on an everyday setting. I think that's what's really important. The thing I get with Riola in Georgia is if he doesn't go to Georgia, he realizes that he's going to have to face them to check off all of his college dreams in college football. Uh, Georgia will be standing in the way, looming like, you know, a 10-foot titan. And I think that's something that Ryan is going to really consider as he goes through his measured pace right here and not going too fast with his next commitment and figure out, hey, wouldn't it just be better to be with those guys than to be against those guys in big playoff games? So at the risk of coming across as negative, I guess I do have to ask, you know, if Riola takes his official visit to Georgia first weekend in June, then from a timeline standpoint, that kind of lines up pretty nicely with what Arch Manning did a year ago. That's a recruitment that I thought the Georgia was going to win. Ultimately, it didn't. You know, for Georgia fans who want to be hopeful that Riola eventually lands at UGA, what makes the Dillon recruitment different from the Arch recruitment a year ago? I got a good one, Brandon. It's a number two, and that's not how many championships Georgia has won back-to-back. That's how many quarterbacks Georgia has signed in the last three cycles. That's, that's a very paltry number considering where we're at with college football and the revolving door, or maybe we should say the express lane for uh, four- or five-star high school quarterbacks. What, what, is, what does that mean? That means class separation. That means um, Georgia signed Brock Vandegrift in 2021, January. Georgia signed Gunnar Stockton in uh, 2021. He also enrolled Vandegrift in January of 2022. There were no quarterbacks last year. There were no guys coming in grad transfer. There were no guys coming in through the portal. So that's pretty ideal class separation for when Riola, who does expect to play and want to play uh, when he gets to college, maybe not so much that first season, but he wants to. You know, you look at you look at what Nebraska has. Like I said earlier, empty. He could come in and start day one, likely in Nebraska. But when you think about USC, they just signed a top 15 overall prospect at corner in the last class in California in Malachi Nelson. So I think 
You know, everybody wants a guy that can come in. I say, I don't care about the depth chart. Everybody likes that Gunner Stockton approach where he says, hey, man, I'm going to graduate from Georgia. I know that. I don't know how much I'll play, but I'm going to graduate from Georgia, and we'll see what we'll throw a hat in the ring, and we'll give it our best shot, and we'll see how much that, how many plays he can make for the dogs. I think with Georgia, there's a lot of things. It's a lot of things with Georgia, Brandon, where some people would think the strongest thing is winning in championships, where I don't know if that's exactly the strongest thing anymore. And I said this week on Hedges, Brandon, to think about. Georgia has reached the point where it doesn't need a quarterback to come on the field and help them beat a team they probably shouldn't have. Georgia is way past that point now where they need a quarterback to pull some Houdini axe out of his out of his magic helmet and lead him back and maybe beat a team they shouldn't have. Now, if you if you bring everything that Georgia is now and what it will still be two years from now to the table with a quarterback that everybody says Pat Mahomes, he can reach any part of the field, he's got some mobility, um, he's got an NFL background with his father, it's going to be scary if Raiola comes to Georgia and pairs up with all the other pieces on the table. Very, very interesting thing about you. Also talked about the other guys. At least you mentioned this briefly. You're going to be here, Ryan Wingo, great receiver out of uh, St. Louis, is an example of this. Give me a little bit of the rest of the landscape here uh, about what's been going on so far this week, but also uh, more impressive guys who uh, are paying a visit to Athens here this weekend. Here's the thing, Brandon. The program almost sells itself right now. They they bring these boys in to watch spring practice and think about it now. It's the selling point is, hey, this is what recruits have told me. Hey, Georgia wanted me to come up and watch spring practice. And, man, I had to take advantage of that because I wanted to see how the best in the country does it. They want to see – and a lot of these kids see, like, six spring practices in a month. And when they see Georgia, they're going to see why Georgia wins. They're going to see how hard they're coached. They're going to hear Kirby Smart on the microphone where there will be no de-recruiting involved because they're going to see exactly what he's like with his team, with his national championship roster – on a daily basis, on an every practice period basis. So they go and they compare, they contrast, and they see what Georgia has. And most, more likely than not, want to be a part of it. They want to get better. They want to be part of those guys in the lab that are brewing on the way to Sundays in the NFL. Uh, really, really interesting. G- give us some more of these names. We see some of these on the screen here when you got uh, yeah, Ryan Wingo, you're talking about Nykar, who we talked about earlier in the show, uh, Scovy White back on campus here there as well. Give us a little bit more insight into some of these names. Here's a big one, Brandon. Number 66 overall defensive lineman. A set-to-edge, choose-violence type of defensive end. I'm talking about Justin Green out of Mountain View High School in uh, Lawrenceville. Right now, I love this prospect for Georgia in the 2024 class because he's a guy that, you know, we get this, Brandon, love stories like this because it intersects on field and high school with college potential. But Justin, get this, he was a two-time all-region player in a pretty stinking good region in Gwinnett County 7A football, and he decided that wasn't good enough. He, he decided he needed to get better to make himself an even better player. He puts on like 35, 40 pounds, Brandon, kind of like C.J. Madden. In about four or five months, he retains his speed, and all of a sudden he goes from a guy that could probably play, you know, at a group of five level, uh, you know, some somewhere maybe even reaching into the ACC a little bit, to he can play anywhere in, anywhere in the country. And that's Justin Green usually – Last time I spoke with him, which was about a week and a half ago, Justin said he's really looking at four schools. He counts Duke among that number. He counts South Carolina among that number. He counts Auburn among that number. And he counts Georgia among that number. LSU is also in that mix there as well. But for him, he just looks at it, man, as like he's looking for places that can get him to the league, 
over the next month or so to make sure he gets a good read and a good handle on Georgia. Georgia just offered him, Brandon, about two months ago after the national championship victory. So that's a situation where he hasn't been to Georgia as a recruit prior to this weekend. I think Amari Jefferson, Brandon, uh, he's a guy that plays receiver. Uh, he's got Tennessee baseball commitment right now, but Georgia was one of the first to realize his worth as a receiver. He plays at the, the Baylor School in Chattanooga. That's where Will Muschamp's son plays. He's the quarterback there. Muschamp's son just recently committed to Vanderbilt. Yeah. Interesting to see that for that family. Another interesting family dynamic there with the Muschamps in the SEC. But you've got a guy that, um, I mean, Mario Jefferson, Brandon, looks like the type of guy that Georgia tries to sign in every class. Big athletic receiver. Um, it's going to be, you know, Jaden Riddell, that's another guy. It's out of Missouri. I don't, this is probably the most interesting hometown. You probably want to see it in one of those places in The Last of Us where they stop and their cross-country tour, but his, his name of his name of his town, Brandon, is called Peculiar Missouri. How about I'm that? I'm not making that up. Peculiar Missouri. And he's rated as the number one tight end in the country by some services. Brandon, one of those things, you look at his film, uh, he, what he's doing is he's lining up at the X position a lot, making a lot of plays downfield in a traditional receiver role, and then there are other plays where he's inside and he's going across the middle. I tell you, this young man has really good speed, 6'4", 230, uh, we know what that model frame looks like for in Todd Hartley's room. That's kind of what Brock Bowers looked like when he came in. Not saying we gotta, that Georgia's ever going to find another Brock Bowers, but that's the skill set. That's the body type they're looking for. Uh, really interesting. I want to finish up with this kind of away from recruiting a moment, but on Before the Hedges on Wednesday, you had a fascinating conversation with Nolan Smith. I believe we're going to get a part two of that coming up this upcoming Wednesday there as well. Nolan's one of these guys that at one point in time was a recruit we talked about on shows like this and shows like Before the Hedges, and now his Georgia career is completed, and I think he stands as one of the more intriguing and just respected guys to come through this program. Uh, Jeff, what was your key takeaway, getting a chance to hear him kind of reflect back on his own career on Wednesday night? I thought it was great. I think our entire audience should really seek it out, go find that. So many folks kind of already have. But a fun conversation with Nolan Smith. What did you enjoy about it? A lot. Because you're going to talk about, you know, when when the 30 for 30s come out about these Georgia Bulldogs of the Kirby Smart era, I think think a lot of probably one of the signature keynotes interviews and sources that folks will rely on will be Nolan Smith because he was there. I can remember him telling me that he would come to Georgia if they got Justin Fields because he always wanted to play with a mobile quarterback. And then you heard him go through so many time stamps. In, it felt like a Disney ride, man, where you're like, okay, Nolan's your tour guide through this era. What did he think about that? He told me that he came pretty stinking close to trying to play in the natty. He couldn't maybe put a suit on yet, but he could do some arm curls when the TCU game came around. And he was, like, talking back and forth with Kirby Smart. And he's like, hey, man, just let me dress. Maybe he was looking for one of those Richard LeCount moments uh, in that Peach Bowl win where he played the last snap of the game as a very deep safety. But Nolan said, Kirby said, when they call for somebody, that they need somebody. If you're in full dress, I know you're just going to run out there. Yeah. Um, and he talked about that. He talked about – the belief the team had in Stetson Bennett and why he won over the locker room, I think one of the probably most under-realized and not talked about under-the-radar moments of the 2021 championship season with, with Nolan was just a wrecking crew that day against Florida. He had the type of signature game that we wanted to see the nation's number one overall prospect have at Georgia. He was brilliant in that game. But afterward, 
he gave some of the most pointed, directed comments. And if folks were listening closely, there was no con- there was no conflict about is it JT Daniels, is it Stetson? That was a very extreme vote of confidence, and I thought that was a big point in the 2021 season, both uh, publicly because you got to see how the dog and a connected team leader anchor like no one was thinking internally about how they valued Stetson and what he could do for the dogs. And you keep going through the list, man. I, you, I asked him, like, what was his signature memory as a bulldog? I bet we could ask everybody on the Dog Nation cruise, Brandon, who that, what they thought, what they thought Nolan Smith might have said there. He came up with the game prep and the energy at noon for taking on Arkansas back in 2021. A 12 o'clock kickoff, Brandon, yeah. that everyone in Dog Nation – absolutely loathed those 12 o'clock kickoffs for the players who got up at six, who worked out, who ate breakfast together, they did their stretches and got on the bus, and they heard Stanford, excuse me, they heard Stanford rocking and rolling at noon for a national matchup against Arkansas and their old friend Sam Pittman. For him to be, that to be the greatest moment, most emotional moment, best feeling game, most fun game of his Georgia career, I thought it was fascinating. You're right, my friend. We do have part two coming up on Before the Hedges next Wednesday at 8 p.m. Jeff, it was great stuff. Uh, good information on Dylan Ryle and the other visitors here this weekend. Fun time to be a dog fan. You love this time of year for sports. And for us, the recruiting groundwork being laid right now is a part of all of that action. So we'll look forward to reading more from you at DogNation.com. Watching you every Wednesday on Before the Hedges presented by Kroger. And, of course, seeing you back here on Dog Nation Daily at this same time next Friday there as well. Have a great weekend. Hey, man, hope everybody's brackets get better today. Take it easy, man. See you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Interesting from Jeff there as it relates to Nolan Smith. First of all, two quick things. I think when Nolan stepped up and defended Stetson Bennett, it was not a great game for Bennett against Florida in 2021. That was an incredibly valuable moment because it wasn't just, hey, one teammate sticking up for another. What it really was was a bold prediction that turned out to be true. And that's the thing you got to keep in mind here is that leadership requires credibility. And you can't just be out there saying a bunch of stuff, have it proved wrong, while all of a sudden you're not quite as much of a leader at that point as you used to be because people aren't quite so sure they want to follow you anymore. You've heard me say this before, that the way to be a leader is to have followers. You can't be a true leader if you don't have people f- willing to follow you. And the way in which you cultivate followers as a you know aspiring leader is to make predictions that turn out to be true. To be able to see not the you know not the distant future, not obviously you know nobody's got a crystal ball, but to be able to kind of recognize what's about to happen. In the case of Stetson Bennett, you know Nolan Smith recognized that hey George was going to be in good hands with Bennett as the quarterback. He went on to lead him to a national championship and led him to another national championship. That's what makes the words that that Nolan used after the Florida game in 2021 so forceful is because the prediction in so many words that Nolan made that day turned out to be true. The other thing that uh, Jeff says there, and let me just give you a different way of looking at things for a moment. There are a lot of Georgia fans, and on the one hand, this is rightly so, who say, man, Georgia has played a miserable slate of home games over the course of the last few years, and what's going to happen here in 2023 is probably the worst of the bunch. Now, in the future, this is going to change because of the change in SEC scheduling, the fact that Georgia's got some pretty aggressive non-conference scheduling about to come home to roost here. But the last few years, there's been this thought, looking ahead to this year, too, of, gosh, man, this home slate is just you know, not all that great. But another way of looking at this is, in this midst in this sort of period of time in which a lot of folks would say hey you know georgia's played a pretty lackluster you know collection of home games 
last year you may have had the biggest game in the history of Sanford Stadium with number one Tennessee coming in ha 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 and uh, getting ran out of the stadium by Georgia we know the atmosphere that game had uh that may have been the biggest moment in the history of the uh, ballpark uh between the edges dating back to what 1929 or whatever the uh, stadium began and then as Jeff points out and I believe rightly so that that Georgia Arkansas game in 2021 was special it's probably the loudest noon crowd of all time I don't say that lightly but it probably was it was a night game atmosphere for a game that kicked off at noon and it was pretty special and don't forget espn game day was there for that and they were also back for the following home game against kentucky as well that in a stretch of time where most georgia fans would say gosh the home slate's been pretty miserable in in, in that stretch of time you have a situation in 2021 when you had back-to-back home games that were featured on espn's college game day and last year you may have had the biggest game in the history of your stadium so it's at least another consideration for what's been a pretty popular narrative I certainly understand why Georgia fans haven't loved the home slate, but I think it's also appropriate to say, actually, some of these home games have given you maybe more than you realize the last couple of seasons as well. Speaking of always giving you more than you realize, that's what our friends at Royal Caribbean are famous for. Royal Caribbean Cruise Vacations, you know how much we love those. In fact, I love seeing how much some of you love those. More of that on our golden shoe to close out today's show. But if you've heard me talk about it and you want to experience it for yourself, this is the time to start booking that Royal Caribbean Cruise Vacation. Springtime travel, you think about maybe spring break, something like that. Time to get on that if you want to do that. Summertime, really, this is the showtime, go time to get ready for all of that. Or you start thinking about January 2024, the debut of Icon of the Seas the brand new cruise ship from Royal Caribbean that's going to have the largest water park at sea it's going to have really the best of all kinds of vacations beach vacation you know you know wonderful resort all of that kind of housed right there on the brand new cruise ship brand new class of cruise ships being introduced the first one of those being icon of the seas a great travel agent makes a great cruise vacation even better our travel agent that we trust is jessica slater you can give her a call 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 so many of you met her gotten to know her uh you have questions about royal caribbean cruises she can tell you everything you need to know because she's been on even more of them than i have been so you can check out jessica on all of that of course we'll see you on the dog nation cruise coming up april 24th through the 28th man it's gonna be a lot of fun uh can't wait for all that so many of you booked up ready to go and really almost the entirety of the dog nation team going to be on hand for that there as well so that is going to be a great time all right let's transition here now and go cruising around the sec coming up on royal caribbean on monday show i'm going to spend a little bit of time this is coming up this upcoming monday i'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about some of the hype that's already building for the georgia tennessee game i think this is kind of interesting and i think it gives you a little bit of a way to kind of frame the spring for georgia hey what you want to see building blocks towards getting ready uh for you know for the upcoming season for georgia and for the game a lot of folks say matters most in the regular season for uga right now against tennessee we'll do some of that then but along those lines espn has also got what they're calling their season defining games for their way to early top 25 teams and i'm going to save the georgia part of this for monday but i did notice that it's interesting that for both georgia and alabama Tennessee is kind of mentioned as that season defining game in the case of Georgia it's because it's really the <laughs> it's the only game on Georgia's schedule they have less than like a 88 or 90 percent chance of winning it's the it's literally probably the only shot Georgia has to be tested maybe at all college ball is a way of surprising you maybe this season will but on paper right now the projection is Tennessee the only game that could even be closed so that's why it gets mentioned for Georgia in the case of Alabama, it's also related to the fact that Tennessee beat Alabama a year ago. And you may have heard Vols fans talking about that. They wrote books about it. They 
they made VHS cassette tapes to uh, to sell about this. They are clearly very proud of that victory against Alabama. And obviously, as that series, that rivalry shifts back to Tuscaloosa this year, it'll be a chance at revenge for the Crimson Tide. But to be as objective as I'm capable of being here for a moment, you know, if you want an example of what Tennessee has been able to do through two years of Josh Heupel, this might be it. ESPN taking a survey of the SEC here saying for both Alabama and Georgia, Tennessee stands as the biggest game. And, you know, we're not Tennessee fans, but wouldn't you agree that's kind of true? I mean, you know, listen, Georgia's biggest rivalry game will take place against Florida. That's always true. But but the biggest game Georgia's likely to play here this season is on the road at Tennessee. Georgia fans would probably say that. Alabama fans would probably also say, yeah, man, we're looking at our chops. We want a taste of the, uh, of the Vols. Maybe they feel the same way with LSU too because LSU also beat them. But something about the nature of that game a year ago, you're going to think that probably gets the Alabama fan blood boiling a little bit. So I think that Tennessee is probably still a long way away towards being truly competitive for, you know, an SEC championship spot, an actual playoff spot. I think they're probably a ways away from getting there and they may never get there. But if you want proof that Tennessee as a program has has really grown in stature, I think you look at the fact that it now counts as a big game for Georgia. That's something that has not been true for quite some time. It counts as a big game for Alabama right now. Alabama fans are once again calling third Saturday in October a rivalry, something they would not have done for quite some time. So so if you want to see evidence of program growth for Tennessee, that's some of where you see it. You know, they are not necessarily good enough yet to actually be good, to be a championship contender, but they're good enough to get other teams' attention. You got to give them, I guess, at least a little bit of credit for that. The other thing that kind of pops out to me looking at this list of like most, what do they call it? Uh, most significant games, or what was the phrase they used? Season defining games. I think it once again kind of points to a little bit of the mystery as it relates to LSU. You know, LSU is one of those teams that preseason number eight and the way too early top 25 for ESPN. But seemingly right now, and when it comes to the national chatter, getting nowhere near as much love as Alabama's getting, despite the fact that LSU beat Alabama a year ago. And obviously, it's probably not a surprise that that ESPN mentions the Alabama game as that season definer for LSU. But let's park on that for a moment. What would it mean for Brian Kelly to beat Nick Saban, Alabama two years in a row? I mean, that would, I think, signify a real changing landscape in the SEC, not just the demise of Alabama. Eventually, that's going to happen. Maybe 2023 years is the year that takes place. It's not just potentially the demise of Alabama, but it's also the resurrection of Brian Kelly at LSU because that's the standard here. LSU head coaches are expected to win national championships very, very quickly. That's what Ed Orgeron did. That's what Les Miles did before that. That's what Nick Saban did before that. That the standard at LSU is a national championship, and for new coaches at LSU, those championships typically come quickly. You know, as Brian Kelly showing his ability to kind of travel the same a similar path. We think of the SEC even in a fourteen playoff world. It's kind of a two bid league. Uh, they have proven the capability of getting two teams in the playoff, but in the past, that's been Georgia and Alabama. Could LSU try to join Georgia as the two playoff teams from the SEC this year? That's what Kelly gets a chance to play for there against Alabama here later on this season. And, you know, you look at the way in which LSU kind of looms on other schedules there as well for Florida and Billy Napier, who's trying to do something year two, for Ole Miss, who's also in this ESPN way too early top 25. You know, how good LSU is also going to go a long way towards determining uh, Hugh Freeze's first season at Auburn. I'll put that in that same category. 
how good LSU is and how much of a true legitimate playoff contender they're capable of being in year two of Brian Kelly going to go a long way towards determining exactly what the outlook is for some other teams in the SEC that have a chance to play them here this year so some of that early buzz starting to build for uh, some of those big football games later on this fall on another sporting front for a moment how about quick roundup of the NCAA tournament from yesterday uh, probably should not be surprised that Virginia once again uh, suffered an embarrassing upset the hands of Furman congratulations to the Paladins there on that uh, Maryland West Virginia was a really fun eight nine game Maryland moves on there uh, Missouri an example one of those SEC teams that I thought played pretty well you know Missouri was you know in some of the <laughs> I've joked before I watch about five minutes of college basketball a night and from that I've made very very strong opinions uh, about this tournament when I would watch Missouri they were always pretty good so maybe it wouldn't be so surprising if they make a run Alabama I guess no real problem with Corpus Christi yesterday there on that Auburn advances Tennessee does get that round two matchup with Duke we uh we talked about we talked about that in terms of for a Tennessee athletic program that's been ranked number one in football you know they were ranked number one in baseball they've been near the top of the rankings in basketball you know actually having something to show for some of this in the postseason about time to do that there is there is zero reason why Tennessee couldn't or maybe even shouldn't beat Duke this is a first year coach in John Shire this is a Duke team that's only recently started to play well uh if, if you're Tennessee and you really take yourself seriously this is a game this weekend they ought to win it this may be actually among the more fun games of the weekend we'll keep our eye on Saturday for uh Tennessee and Duke there I think that should be a lot of fun as far as SEC action today you of course got Kentucky going against uh Providence that'll get a lot of attention around here and then you know just kind of set yourself up for that final day of round one I think FAU Memphis another one of those eight nine games that could be fun and Penny Hardaway in Memphis I mean listen I'd really give either one of those teams a chance to beat Purdue in the second round but certainly Memphis would be kind of an interesting clash of styles if that's the case and plus for Purdue who's really really big you know Memphis does have some of that kind of size that can kind of uh, match up there uh, a little bit I know that Kent State Indiana is one of those if you're looking kind of like a darling upset type team the golden flashes out of the Mac have been one of those teams there on that so I love the tournament we don't talk a ton of college basketball around here because obviously you want to hear about football but it's fun to have the tournament upon us and we'll make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Cribbon by the way speaking of tournament action uh, best of luck today to the Lady Dogs they take on Florida State are they the Lady Seminoles? I don't know. If are they Lady Knowles? I don't know if that's the case or not. But either way, it's Georgia, Florida State women's basketball tournament this afternoon. Uh, we certainly be rooting hard for the uh, Lady Dogs here today against Florida State. There on that, it's also a busy sports weekend for Georgia there as well. Uh, Diamond Dogs begin SEC play home this weekend against South Carolina. I think that Georgia's been one of the pleasant non-conference surprises from the SEC thus far this baseball season. They are clearly swinging the bats well, and I think that Jaden probably gives Jaden Woods probably gives them a pretty good. Uh, presence on the mound as a Friday starter I think so it could be uh could be a fun season and obviously getting off to a good start in SEC play would be great weather cooperating today would also be great but that might not happen um for those of you who have your own youth league baseball and things like that going on softball I'm sure you're paying close attention to all that too so if they can get some games in best of luck to the Diamond Dogs and of course for the Lady Dogs in the NCAA tournament we send them best wishes as well love sports weekends around here in fact we love weekends of any type around here and we always love a big finish to close at our week to get you ready for that weekend of course we're thinking big finish we're thinking about the finish long drink and 
I saw this tweet from the Finnish Long Drink official account. You know, you got to think it's fun to work at a place like this. Uh, out there on their uh, social media, they said, in case you're wondering what our happens during our annual national sales meeting, so they've stacked up just rows and rows and rows of these long drink cans. I see the cranberry. I see the zero. I'm also colorblind. Maybe all, maybe all the varieties are there. Uh, but you see a nice little stack of cans there, courtesy of the finished long drink. Uh, maybe you could build yourself one of those towers yourself here. It almost looks like a Christmas tree. Maybe you could get going on that yourself here this weekend. Of course, the finished long drink presents the big finish to us here each and every Friday. And if you want to enjoy the finished long drink and find out why so many folks are kind of buzzing about it, well, this is a great time to do that by going to thelongdrink.com. You can hear about the story. You know, this is something that started in Helsinki back in the 1950s when the summer games were there. There are a lot of celebrity types that have kind of bought into the ownership here. Uh, You've heard us talk about some of that kind of stuff before, but it's a really cool relatively new category of drink it's a ready-to-drink cocktail meaning it comes in a can but it's not a beer it kind of looks like one but it's not it's a ready-to-drink cocktail right through the can you can pop the top and enjoy it you can pour it in a glass and drink it like a mixed drink long drink cranberry long drink strong uh long drink zero that's no carbs no sugar long drink traditional in the blue can got the grapefruit flavor with the gin kick uh, a really really fun thing to enjoy this weekend check out the longdrink.com and you can try some today all right A lot of you know that I am a fan of Royal Caribbean Cruise Vacations. And a lot of you also know there as well that, hey, listen, a lot of the audience has kind of taken my lead on this. And they've been taking their own Royal Caribbean Cruise Vacations as of late. Now, listen, I am certainly thankful to have so many of you supporting a great sponsor of ours. I really, really appreciate that. But I'm also glad to just see people having a good time because... (laughs) life you want to have as much fun as you possibly can on this brief period of time we get to uh, stand here on this planet so with that in mind i uh, love to see our buddy matt rukavina if you watch video regularly you hear me read matt's comments from time to time how about matt there he, first of all he put the twitter poll out the other day about which shirt he'd wear on the cruise ship he's got his national champs world tour t-shirt on got the beverage in hand saying uh not a bad way to ring in the big 4-0 some sun a little champagne and a national championship shirt on your back he says the family took this photo. They were Tennessee fans, but they were uh, good sports. But the whole thing He's hashtag golden shoe, hashtag national championship, hashtag go dogs. Uh, Matt Rucavina, that is great to see. Glad to see you having a great time on a cruise ship. Boy, look at that blue water. Look at that sunshine. Makes me wish I was there right now. So golden shoe indeed for you on that. Happy 40th birthday there as well. And our Gator Hater Countdown. 225 days from right now. Georgia back in Jacksonville where the sun may be shining too, but not on the Florida sideline. They got nothing but misery coming their way. That is our Gatorator countdown. We'll see you back here Monday. Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. We'll look forward to talking to you then. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. We'll give you a little bit of breaking news here. Seems like the, the Cool Down is going to become a little bit of a, to use a bigger word than I should use, repository for news that breaks during the show. So um, information coming out about uh, raises for Georgia assistance here. So the, the interesting one here, and this is, a, we're, we're, this is a follow-up on a story we talked about you know, not too long ago, which was Glenn Schumann interviewing to be Philadelphia Eagles uh, defensive coordinator. And you know, I thought it was a really cool thing that, that Schumann, after being you know, in the mix there for that, chose to stay in Georgia. And what we said at the time is, because we're always, you know, we're always trying to look at stories as deeply as we possibly can. And we want to, you know, you know, kind of try to find out how real certain things were. In other words, you know, was this a situation where Schumann, who apparently is kind of down among the final names 
for the uh, Georgia DC uh, for the, I should say the Eagles DC spot you know how real was that that Schumann could have left Georgia to go to Philadelphia for a really big job for a team that played in the Super Bowl a year ago well I think you could now conclude that was probably pretty real or, or at least you know some sort of interest in Schumann being very very real because uh, and you'll read more about this at dognation.com last year Schumann made 805 805 grand this year he's gonna make 1.9 million dollars so he's gonna have his salary more than doubled as a co-defensive coordinator at Georgia. So a lot of the stuff that we said at the time about Schumann, I think is now re-upped here, which is that, you know, this is not like, uh, you know, teacher, pupil, you know, master apprentice when it comes to Will Muschamp and Glenn Schumann. No disrespect to Muschamp, he's obviously a terrific coach in his own right. But Glenn Schumann is very obviously a coaching presence to be dealt with in his own right you know apart from from Muschamp or anybody else Glenn Schumann is now becoming his own brand of coach here and he'll now make 1.9 million dollars at Georgia so this is a real deal and this is a guy that's traveling a very similar path that um that Dan Lanning traveled and the point here is all that really good linebacker recruiting and the impact that Schumann's having on defense you better enjoy it while you can because Typically, making $2 million as an assistant is a precursor to uh, some sort of promotion to head coach at some point in time. And even though Glenn is still very, very young, uh, sooner rather than later, looks like that could be the case. Also, um, Seth Emerson from The Athletic is reporting that uh, Mike Bobo's salary is going to be a million dollars, which is relatively low for an athletic, I should say, for an offensive coordinator. But uh, he's also still got some buyout money coming his way. Uh, from Auburn there as well so that may be a little bit of an explanation as to why uh, the Bobo salary a little bit lower than the uh, typical offensive coordinators might be but uh you know Bobo (laughs) always nice to kind of think about the idea that Auburn will be paying Bobo money to score points against it this year you always kind of like the idea of that so a little bit of news kind of close out the week and we're happy to have you with us for our podcast cool down presented by R.S. Andrews find them online rsandrews.com air conditioning heating plumbing electric they will show up on time they'll do the work that's promised the price is promised you can trust them on all of that if your water heater goes out you want to watch some games this weekend you want to be left alone well you better not have any cold showers because everybody in your house can be complaining about that and the responsibility is going to rest on you to get it fixed well guess what that's one phone call that's one reach out to rs andrews and all that's taken care of so find them online rsandrews.com in many cases they can replace that water heater for you the same day so find them online rsandrews.com And we'll see you back here Monday, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. We will look forward to talking to you then.